Welcome to Right Royal Roundup with Carolyn Cash. The show that keeps you updated with what's happening in the world of royalty, from the British royal family through to the aristocracy and current events from around the royal world. Hello and welcome to Right Royal Roundup. I'm Carolyn Cash and coming up later on today's show, the Danish royal family is now on social media, news about Prince Philip, Crown Princess Met Marit's literature train, Henry VII, the big spender, and a special exhibition at Buckingham Palace, so stay tuned. Visit Right Royal Roundup on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at Right Royal Roundup. Or you can check out our website, rightroyalroundup.com.au. The Danish royal family is now on Facebook and Instagram. You can see the photo that Crown Prince Frederick took of Queen Margrethe on his smartphone, which is on our website at rightroyalroundup.com.au. However, the Danish royal family have been on YouTube for a while, but most of the videos are in Danish. Queen Margrethe also officially opened a once-forgotten Viking fortress known as Borgring at Kew on Monday the 30th of May. The fortress dates back to about a thousand years ago when Harold Bluetooth reigned from 958 until his death in 985. Archaeologists, scientists and educators gave Queen Margrethe a tour of the site, including current excavations and prospecting, which should be completed in 2018. It opened to the general public on Wednesday the 1st of June and it is expected to draw in more than 30,000 visitors per year, especially during the summer months. The site will include a new welcoming centre with an exhibition with Viking artefacts and a viewing platform. Visitors have a chance to watch as archaeologists continue unearthing an important part in Danish history. There will be a virtual reality film in 3D presented in a new app called Vikingaborg. Organisers are hoping the current popularity of Viking history, thanks to the television series Vikings, will help attract young people to the fortress. Researchers found the circular Viking fortress in September 2014 after it had been hidden in a field for over 1,000 years. It has a diameter of 145 metres, making it the third largest out of five discovered in Denmark. This is the first of its kind in 60 years. Archaeological findings were first published in 2014. On Right Royal Roundup, time now for a British royal family update. News and views from Buckingham Palace. Prince Philip has been reluctantly been forced to pull out of the Battle of Jutland commemorations in Scotland this week on doctor's orders. However, his daughter, Princess Anne, who had already planned to attend these events, represented the royal family along with her husband, Sir Timothy Lawrence, who represented the Commonwealth War Graves Commission. Sir Timothy Lawrence had said that Prince Philip was very frustrated at not being able to attend this event despite having a minor ailment, but he was not taken to hospital. He also pointed out, at Prince Philip's age, it would be unwise to stand in a windswept cemetery for a long period at this stage. A service was held at St Magnus Cathedral in Orkney, paid tribute to the 8,648 soldiers who died during the Battle of Jutland. 
A service of remembrance also took place aboard HMS Duncan at Jutland Bank at the site of the battle near the coast of Denmark. A message from Prince Philip was read out during the service which said that whatever the judgment of the outcome, the commemorations were focused on the endurance and gallantry of all those who took part. It was the largest naval battle of World War I and it took place on the 31st of May and the 1st of June involving about 250 ships. The Queen's father, Prince Albert, the Duke of York, who later became King George VI, was serving in the British fleet aboard the HMS Collingwood during the Battle of Jutland. He is the only British sovereign to have seen action in battle since William IV, who also had a career in the Royal Navy. A couple of days later, Prince Philip was back to his old self when he visited a hostel for homeless veterans when he asked, When are they going to throw you out? For any royal information heard on today's show, check us out at rightroyalroundup.com.au. Norway's Crown Princess Met Marit participated in the literature train for the third year in a row. This year's theme was, There is a book for everyone. The literature train has become a huge success for the Crown Princess and the main purpose was to increase interest in books and to encourage people to read more often. The Crown Princess visited the Language Café in Bergen Library earlier on Wednesday the 1st of June, where she met with people who don't speak Norwegian, including immigrants. About 70 to 100 people attended. There has been a greater demand for easy-to-read books in both Norwegian and other languages. Later that evening, Crown Princess Met Murat hosted the House of Literature in Bergen, kicking off the Literature Train events, discussing writing with author Jonas Hassan Kamiri. The Literature Train travelled from Bergen to Oslo with book stops at libraries in Voss, Gol and Honefoss. Author Agnes Ravatten was the guest speaker at Voss Library, where she shared her experiences with writing. The discussion at Goal focused on biographies and the Crown Princess began discussions with writers Giz Gullickson and Lars Sabay Christensen in Hernfoss. The literature train arrived in Oslo and finished with the Literature House where author Gear Gullickson discussed the themes from his book History of a Marriage and Modern Relationships. Many participants and audiences shared their book tips via social media with the hashtag Minbok. On Right Royal Roundup, we now go back in time for some Right Royal Regal History. Henry VII has acquired a reputation throughout history as being something of a miser, but he was also known as the Businessman King. He defeated King Richard III at Bosworth in 1485 and he married Elizabeth of York to unite the warring houses of Lancaster and York. Henry and Elizabeth had eight children, but only four survived to adulthood. He gained control of Crown lands to boost his income. He was granted excise taxes and other revenue raising involved forced loans known as benevolences from his wealthiest subjects as he assumed they could afford it. He imposed strict fines, enforcing law and order, as well as raking in more revenue for the royal coffers. His taxes made him very unpopular. Henry also spent money improving and renovating his palaces as well as building the magnificent Henry VII Chapel in Westminster Abbey, it is known as one of the Tudor Age's finest monuments. However, Chief Curator of the Historic Royal Palaces, Tracy Borman, has said that Henry VII was a vain spendthrift 
who spent the equivalent of £3 million on his wardrobe within two years. Tracy says he probably spent more than any of the other tutors, especially on clothes, especially when he felt vulnerable or under attack, especially from pretenders. He became increasingly paranoid and expected to be kicked off the throne at any time. As Tracy Borman remarked to Britain's Telegraph, it was as if he looked in his wardrobe and thinks he's about to be invaded, but he's literally got nothing to wear. Many saw Henry as an illegitimate usurper, and he faced two pretenders, Lambert Semnall, who claimed he was the Earl of Warwick in 1487, even though the real one was languishing in the Tower of London at the time. Henry defeated Simnel's forces at Stoke on the 16th of June, 1487, and then sent him to work in the royal kitchens. Another pretender, Perkin Warbeck, claimed he was Richard, Duke of York, Edward V's younger brother, and one of the princes in the Tower. Welcome to Right Royal Roundup with Carolyn Cash. Now crossing live to the throne. The Queen's wedding dress and the gown she wore at her coronation is on display in an exhibition as part of her 90th birthday celebrations from the 21st of April through to the 2nd of October 2016. This will be the first time that both dresses, which were designed by Couturier Sir Norman Hartnell, was displayed together as part of the special exhibition, fashioning a reign 90 years of style from the Queen's wardrobe in the state rooms at Buckingham Palace. Norman Hartnell had worked for the royal family since 1938 and he set out to make the most beautiful dress he had made so far when he was commissioned to design Princess Elizabeth's wedding dress. The dress was made in ivory silk and decorated with crystals and 10,000 seed pearls. It included a 4.6 metre or 15 foot star patterned train which was woven in Braintree in Essex. The gown was inspired by the famous Renaissance painting of Primavera by Botticelli, symbolising rebirth and growth after the war. Princess Elizabeth collected clothing coupons to pay for the dress as war rations were still in place in Britain. The coronation gown was created from the finest white duchess satin. It was richly embroidered in a latticework effect with an iconographic scheme of national and commonwealth floral emblems in gold and silver thread and pastel-coloured silks encrusted with seed pearls, sequins and crystals. Norman Hartnell added an extra four-leaf shamrock on the skirt's left side for good luck so the Queen's hand could rest on it during the ceremony. This is one of three separate special displays taking place to celebrate the Queen's 90th birthday in each of her official residences during 2016. The exhibition will feature a total of 150 dresses, including some from the Queen's childhood, including fancy dress costumes, her life and the nation's history. Tickets are available from www.royalcollection.org.uk. That's all we have for this week. Thanks for joining us and we look forward to your company again next week. You've been listening to Right Royal Roundup with Carolyn Cash. Tune in next week for more of the latest royal news from around the world. And don't forget to like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at Right Royal Roundup or visit our website, rightroyalroundup.com.au.